0: It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Oh, recording? Nice. Welcome to a cranky version of Rico Bronia, Evan Roberts, Pete Hoffman. I'm still on vacation. I still have waves about 150 feet from me, but this sucked. Everything about this four-game series sucked. The way they got their ass kicked in game one and game two, the injuries they're dealing with, Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, and then obviously the capper. The Mets losing a game to the Atlanta Braves, in which I can make an argument, was the worst played game we've seen the Mets play all season long. Because uh, they haven't had a lot of these. They haven't had a lot of these. And there's a lot of examples to go through from the fourth game of this series. A big game, a swing game, if you will. Uh, a chance to get a split against Atlanta, a chance to increase the divisional lead back up to... Six games in the loss column. Instead, it now goes back down to four. But the one that jumped out at me, and really the reason they lost three out of four in this series to Atlanta, even going back to game one and game two, we'll talk about those games. I also want to get into the playoff format, which I think is very significant, which we didn't see coming in terms of off days and lack their off days, which was announced earlier this week. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But the theme of this series in the three losses to Atlanta is they didn't hit. And I think it's easy when you look at the first game of this series to kind of pin it on Carlos Carrasco got hurt, pin the second game on Taiwan Walker got hurt, and now you're trusting R.J. Alvarez to get outs. But they didn't freaking hit. They scored one run in game one. They got shut out in game two. They made Charlie Morton look like Doc Halliday in his prime. And in the finale of this series against Max Freed and then A.J. Minter, Rossella Iglesias, and Kenley Jansen – They could not hit. Outside of Mark Canna, who shockingly hit that two-run home run and that great at-bat in the fifth inning, they didn't hit in this game. They didn't hit. That was the bottom line. And so when you don't hit, little tiny itsy-bitsy mistakes can bite you in the ass. And so when you look back at the game-winning hit by Michael Harris, in which, look, I got no issue. I like the fact that Buck allowed Jacob DeGrom to start the seventh inning His pitch count was only 78 through 6. So if he pulls him after 6, then (laughs) I think we're all shrugging our shoulders. Like, all right, when are you going to let this guy pitch? But you you figured, and I could see this one coming when he's ahead of Vaughn Grissom, that you knew, and Keith even said it on the broadcast, he's got to get this guy out or he's coming out of the game. And obviously, something kooky can happen once he comes out of the game. And boy, did we see kooky, like Slaughter's mad dash, From the '46 World Series, I don't even know why I'm bringing something up 80 years ago, but a base hit the center field, a C and I little weak. This is about to use a bad word, ground ball up the middle. But there are kids in this house, and I want to keep the podcast somewhat family friendly. But a meek ground ball up the middle, and Hoff, you could see it coming because you knew Brandon Nimmo's got a spaghetti arm. You knew the base runner is Vaughn Grissom, and he's running on the play, and he's somewhat fast. You could see that whole effing thing coming as he scores on a goddamn just slow-rolling single to center field. Did you see that coming the way I did? As soon as that ball went up the middle, you knew, holy crap, Grissom's going to be able to score from first. I was hoping that the cutoff throw was on point and that we'd have a better play, and it was close. But yeah, I mean, there was never never a doubt like – even if it was, and it was on point, he was going to score. The tag was late, everything was off. And again, it was just perfect timing. Like, a lazy hit, it was nothing spectacular. Hit and run, and it, and it just, it, poor, and you have to rewind too. The poor play by Beatty, not being able to to to, to make that grab at third base and get the out. It's, it's, it's simplistic stuff that it was all just butted in the ass today. Yeah, and I I don't know what to expect from Beatty defensively. I thought overall until that play, he'd actually look pretty good defensively at third base. Everything I had read and heard is that defense isn't his strength, that we're going to enjoy his offense, which we did right away. But everything about that sequence, you know, Jacob deGrom's facing the bottom of the order. He's ahead of Vaughn Grissom. I don't know if it was 0-2, but it was 1-2. And Grissom kept fouling balls off. And just knowing deGrom's not getting another hitter, Lugo's coming into the game, and whether it's Seth Lugo giving up a two-run bomb or something funky like that, I thought that at-bat to Grissom was so freaking important. Not not to rip Jake, because, look, the beauty of Jacob deGrom, and I think we saw this in the finale of this series, is that's the worst of Jacob deGrom. Literally, we watched it. He didn't get as many swing and misses as he normally does. He didn't have that same command of his slider that he normally does. Um, there were a ton of hard-hit balls against him, obviously, The third inning, he was giving up ropes all over the place. And yet, if he gets help defensively or Lugo makes a big pitch, his final line is six and two-thirds, two runs. Obviously, it's six and two-thirds, three runs. His bullpen and his defense, once he's out of the game, didn't help him out. But if that's the worst, if that's literally the worst, and we watch Jake every five days, or at least when he pitches every five days, we've seen him since the guy made his Major League debut, this kind of performance on Thursday night against Atlanta is the weakest kind of the you'll ever see. And that's amazing. That's part of why he's so brilliant. Scherzer, the same thing from the night before. It wasn't Max's best work, but he was able to battle through it and fight through it. And remember, after Jake runs into trouble in the third inning, in which he's given up the laser beams all over the place, he gives up the double to Dansby Swanson, he gives up the single to Austin Riley, and then gets lucky because Matt Olsen hits a line drive, but it was right at Lindor. He goes out and retires, let's see, 4, 7, 10, 13 in a row, or 12 in a row, whatever it was. He really locked down after he had that difficult third inning. But it comes back to the thing I opened with. They didn't hit. They didn't hit in this series. Outside of the third game of this series, obviously, where they put the nine up, they did not hit. And I don't want to get into, the, this is what they always do for Jacob DeGrom, because quite frankly, who cares about 2018 right now? Doesn't matter. 2019, doesn't matter. But this loss... I'd argue right now, and I'm look, we're recording this 10 minutes after the game ended, so you could, I guess it's technically an instant reaction. So maybe I'm being, I guess, emotional because I just watched it. This was their worst loss of the year. I'm racking my brain thinking of, okay, what loss was worse? And I remember when we first started this podcast, I told Pete, write down the worst losses. I wrote down the worst losses. And they're, they're stretches, like... Second week of the year, they blew a game against the Phillies. They had a bullpen implosion, I think, in the eighth inning. Okay, they won the next two games of that series. Nobody gives a rat's ass. The, the valent comeback against the Giants, where they were down like 7-2 or 8-2, to two, whatever it was. They come back. Diaz gets a big double play, and then he blows it. I think that was Diaz's last blown save. Okay, whatever. We barely remember it. This is going to be memorable. Not because I'm telling you they're about to lose 10 out of 12 or anything like that, but... The Braves continue to not go away. And that's the difference between winning this game and losing this game. Look, the Mets are still four games up in the loss Column in the NL East. They're still in a good spot. The Braves only have three more games against the Mets, obviously at the end of the season, and the Mets have a very, very easy to soft September schedule. So do I still feel good about winning this division? Yes, but this win keeps it tight. This win keeps tight. Keeps it close, whereas if you win this game and you get a split against Atlanta, not only do you secure the season series, which matters because we have tie breaks nowadays, but you're talking about a six-game lost column lead. So standings-wise, obviously, and then the way they lost this game, the little ground ball up the middle, and then obviously the ninth inning, when I don't know if I'm going to kill Lindor on this. It was just a typical kind of moment from this game where – Lindor is running on the first pitch to Alonzo. Alonzo bloops it to right center field. It obviously falls in. Lindor dove in his second thinking he was stealing a base. Gets up, doesn't look, runs back the first. He's out. You know who I'm going to blame on this? Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. I'm going to blame Pete Alonzo because Lindor is going to run on Kenley Jansen. Alonzo should know it. Everybody can run on Kenley Jansen. In fact, the Mets took advantage of it. Two batters later when Devin Morero stole a base against Kenley Jansen. So if you're Pete, A, you should be aware of everybody runs on this guy. Lindor is the tying run. We know Lindor can steal a base. And in the corner of your eye, you see him running. So take the first pitch. Like What, what are you trying to do? I know, yes, hit a two-run home run. But let him take second base. He's going to steal that one easily. So when you look at that play, It's tough to kill Lindor because Lindor is stealing second. The dive in a second base can't kill him on. He's focused on stealing second. He now gets up, realizing, wait a second, the ball was hit. And his immediate reaction is, holy crap, I can't be doubled up. Because here's the truth. If Lindor gets doubled up, we're killing him more than being thrown out at second base on a fielder's choice. That's the more, quote-unquote, egregious play. So I'm not even mad at Lindor if I'm blaming anybody. It's Alonzo. Alonzo should know in that situation, and he should see it at the corner of his eye that Lindor's stealing second. And look, if Lindor steals second, and you got a runner on second, nobody out with Alonzo up. I don't think they walk him necessarily, even though you've got Vogel back and McNeil coming up, and Jansen's actually really tough against lefties. I'm not sure you necessarily put the winning run on base or the go-ahead run on base. But you are talking about a completely different inning. Runner on second, nobody out. Who the hell knows? Maybe Alonzo advances him. Maybe the whole freaking inning is completely different. But when that play happens, on top of the way the Braves took the lead on the ground ball base hit to center field, where you got a guy scoring from first on a single, I think they called it a double. BS, it's a single. It's a single and a fielder's choice. That's how he gets to second. In fact, in my scorebook, I refuse to write a double. I'm not putting a goddamn double for that. That's a single to center field. All right, so if they changed it, whatever. I don't care. Sometimes I'm badass with my scorebook. I score what I think is right, and that's one of those examples. But every, all these little, tiny, pain-in-the-ass things that contributed to this loss. So many of them. How about the fact that in the third inning, and this was right before the Braves actually took the lead. Let's not forget this. Let's not bail out James McCann and Brandon Nimmo and Starling Marte with a very quiet game after the big game three. They got first and third. And nobody out. And this is literally what I said out loud. First and third, nobody out. McCann's up. I was rooting for him to ground into a double play. I was. Because my attitude was, you know what? Just give me a, a freaking run. Just hit a ground ball to shortstop. They're playing back. They're going to turn two. They're going to concede the run. Turn the double play. Let's take a one nothing lead. Let's call it a day. Not that Jake's going to literally hold just a one-run lead. It happens. I wasn't expecting it. But just give me a freaking run right on the board. And what does James McCann do? I know he had the double later in the game. Another opportunity that they failed on. But he strikes out. Brandon Nimmo strikes out. Brandon Nimmo had one of his worst games of the season. He strikes out three times, even in that really good at-bat against Minter in the eighth inning. But he strikes out with a runner on second. He strikes out with first and third, one out in the third inning. He just... And then obviously, he's got a weak arm. Not really ripping him. And I don't think he wasn't hustling on that base at the center field. I think he was trying to get there. I just think he's... He's a klutz sometimes. Like, I think he was running to get to the baseball. I just, you know, he's got a crappy arm. That's really what it comes down to. Good job by the Braves. They knew it. They read the scouting report. But Brandon Nemo had a rough day. Starling Marte had a rough day. James McCann with first and third. Nobody out, just hit the freaking ball to shortstop and ground into a double play. Just little things throughout this game, little tiny things jumped out at you as, crap, they're not going to win this game. Crap! They're not going to win this game. God damn! They're not going to win this game. And then obviously McNeil taps out with Marrero on second base, and they lose a frustrating game. They lose the worst game they've had this season. And look, this is a this is a different feeling for us. You know, we've done a lot of Rico Bronias where we're feeling good, where we're happy, where we're giddy, where hey, let's pinch ourselves. But this is a rare series loss to a team we hate. Hasn't happened this season. And I was hoping that the fortunes of the Mets and the Braves feel different, or at least they have felt different this season, that in 1999, we're the Braves, they're the Mets, we stick it up their ass. Brian Jordan rips a double up the alley, something like that. And it just didn't happen in this game. Because winning this game, even though it's a split of the four-game series, it would have felt like a win. It would have been like Rocky won. We lost, but we won. Something like that. Uh, The the four-game series against the Dodgers earlier this season that we called one of the great splits of all time. It would have felt that way. And instead, we have a pennant race.